Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. So, Brian, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate you having, having you here. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. I'm at an interesting place in my life. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this a little bit beforehand and I think it fits in perfectly for the audience today. I think they're really in for a treat. Um, so, but I mean, before we get into any of that, let's, I'd like to kind of, I mean, I know I've known you for, I don't even know how many years now, four years, four years. Okay. So we know each other for four years, you know, um, we've been through a lot. Um, so I know some of your stuff, but what I don't know is I don't know, how did you even get started before you learned about marketing and automation and direct response and leads and sales? I mean, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? It's as easy as monkey see monkey do. My parents both ran their own companies when I was a kid. My dad ran a construction company and my mother ran a training company for lenders to help bankers make more good loans. Mm. And some of my earliest memories are licking stamps, getting paid half a cent a stamp to go and put stamps on these flyers back when, you know, you physically mailed things. Right. And when I got a raised one center stamp, it was a huge big deal. <laughs> that is excellent. Okay. So having, having, I guess, learned through their careers and now your own career at that, do you feel that there are any major challenges like in just your development as an entrepreneur and a business person? I think it's all about focus uh, for me, but also for everyone else. Uh, initially, it's how do you choose what to do? I know you have the same problem, Daryl, that you you look around you and you see businesses that you could start because you see problems in the world. And you think, oh, I should fix that. Someone ought to fix that. And everyone, before they take that entrepreneurial spasm, they go and they eventually figure out one thing they want to fix. But even then, they are constantly distracted with other things they could, other problems they could fix. But they're also distracted within their own line where they say, okay, well, within this tiny slice of the world I've chosen, I still see five dozen things that I ought to work on Hmm. that I believe would provide value. And uh, some people are able to focus and most of us aren't and we suffer for it, myself included. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, and I love how you said that because it's funny. You like you really entered the conversation in my mind when you said that because that's really what it is for me. Like I do have a bit of an entrepreneurial ADD, but it's because I want to help people. Um, so so well said. And I have a great. Um, I just got this from Micah. We both know Micah. He's been on the guest of the show a couple of times. Uh, he has this great thing I got from him was focus. I don't. He didn't come up with it, but focus. Follow one course until successful. And mm-hmm. you're right. I think there's a lot of people and clients and that that I see where they failed only because they didn't stay focused and they didn't really have their – they weren't present and they weren't paying attention. So, Well, it's part of it is the sacrifice that if you do only one thing, you're, you're, it's the fear of missing out thing. If you think about uh, some, someone you saw in the Olympics uh, winning the gold medal, mm-hmm. chances are they're probably not notable for anything else. Mm-hmm. They're probably not also a great opera singer and they're probably not also a great business person. And et cetera, et cetera. They probably did just one thing, and that meant not doing even other things related to their sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's obvious when you're talking about someone who does the triple jump. Well, of course, they'd have to practice that one thing. 
but we pretend that because we're business people or I'm a business person who works with Infusionsoft, oh, that means I can serve every Infusionsoft customer and all of their needs, which is just a fantasy. Yep. But it, it saves me from having to commit to one thing and then maybe failing. Uh, mm. It's way easier if you say, well, I, I do some of this and some of that. Then if you lose, well, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing these other things too, so it's okay. Uh, it, it's this form of letting ourselves off the hook preemptively because we're afraid of, uh, as entrepreneurs, of what happens if you put out a product and the market doesn't like it, or your customers are unhappy, or they want a refund. There's already a lot of failure and a lot of a lot of alienation from being an entrepreneur because you can't really talk to your family about it usually, yeah. or your friends. They don't really get you unless you have only entrepreneurial friends, and your friends are weird, yeah. and they're going through the same crises uh, all the time. But you don't want to say I'm a. You don't want to be so outside of everyone else, so separated, and so we have all these different things we're doing at the same time. And then when one of them fails, you say, oh, well, I, I was doing these other nine things at the same time, so I'm okay. Yep. It's much more scary to say, I'm going to do one thing, and if this thing fails, it's because I failed. I tried to launch some software a couple of years ago, uh, working with a partner a, a company yep. in there, and that software failed. Yep. And I talked about it a lot publicly, uh, and then it failed because for a variety of reasons, among them, I didn't succeed. Like there's, there's ultimately to say, I failed at this thing. I failed at launching this world changing software after talking about it in public. And that, that sucks. Yeah. People don't ask me about it. Thank goodness. But if they did I'd say, yeah, well, I tried that and I wasn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I made people promises, which I didn't keep. And that feels awful. Yeah. And so we all naturally want to not make promises we can't keep. And so we, one of our self-defense mechanisms is, oh, well, I'm doing these five things right now. Yeah. And it's okay if one or two of them fail. Yeah. Because then you always got something that, well, that failed, but I'm doing these other things and they're going to be successful because yeah. you're always chasing that white rabbit. Like, the, they, they, you know, they're just getting started now, but they're going to be way more successful than that. And you always shrug it off when people ask, right? Well, yeah, but, you know, it's just not, a, that's not a big deal, even though maybe to you it could have been. So I really agree to that. I mean, you've, you've, I mean, right to start off this call, I think you're just, you're tackling some major issues head on that I do think need to be talked about. And I don't know if I've ever heard, conversations like this about that so i really appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable and candid about things because this is i think this is really important here it's refreshing for me to hear it's not a conversation i've had with a lot of friends and i think you're right that fear of missing out is a huge thing the inability to stay focused on one thing and to see it through um and like you said just that that social it's funny because i was just talking about that we just did this campaign i got something i've launched myself we drove a thousand clicks didn't get a single opt-in and then we found out the link was busted in the ad, which, okay, that's fine. But then we, were, we started it back up, and that's just today, so we don't have any results for it yet. But I was talking about it, and my girlfriend was like, oh, I never realized I thought about it that way. Because I was like, yeah, but it's about me. It's my name. It's my face out there. You know, we're going to have, you know, if it's a 1,000 clicks, it's a 1,000 people. Sure, there might be some bots or whatever, but, you know, it's 1,000 people are going to come, and they're going to look at me. They're going to judge me. They're going to think this, this, that. So you, in a certain extent, you need to have some thick skin and, and that willingness to put yourself out there. And it's it's scary. Um, it's also the focus. It's you have to believe there's something on the other side. When you think about cultural memes uh, in the U.S., and I'm sure they're in Canada too, about uh, thank goodness it's Friday or I hate Mondays. Gary Vaynerchuk did a great video where he talked about how he's, his heart breaks for his friends who are employed who they just live for Friday night and they dread Mondays and he can't imagine living like that. And we were, which means really that we're all okay. All of us who have been employed have at some point had a job that was not great for whatever reason. Wrong job, bad employer, bad coworkers, bad customers, right. whatever. And it sucked. And we're okay talking about that. If I ask anybody, tell me about a job you've had that was awful, you'll tell me about it. 
if we say, tell me about a time when you were running a business where you sucked, most of us aren't okay saying, well, yeah, here's why I was a bad person and didn't keep my commitments to someone else. Yeah. And then didn't talk about it later. Yep. It's so much more personal and it's not okay to talk about that kind of failure because we want to have this fantasy that if you're an entrepreneur with a capital E, you are a superhero of some kind, whereas the reality is that you're a person who chose to take on more risk than they otherwise would in pursuit of some additional reward they wouldn't get if they were an employee of somebody else and are more than likely to screw up and fail in big ways. And maybe you'll be able to pay your bills and maybe, maybe you'll be able to actually make as much money as you would if you're an employee. Yeah. But the chances are highly against you. So yeah. we just don't talk about it because it's sort of embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, the E-Myth Revisited guy, Michael Gerber, does a great job in his books talking about entrepreneurial spasm and mm. how – People who choose to be entrepreneurs are mostly not acting rationally. Hmm. They're mostly confused. Right. They're not looking at the information and the data right. reasonably. <laughs> then later on, they justify it. And enough of them win. We say, oh, yeah, you know, Bill Gates, Richard Branson, yeah, I'm going to be like him. Well, no, probably not. Yeah. Uh, there's aberrations everywhere. And just how you aren't going to be your most favorite, favorite baseball player because you pick up a bat, you're not going to be Richard Branson because you start a business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well said. And there was something that you mentioned earlier. Oh, I just had a brain fart, but it was something that I wanted to expand upon because I thought it was really well articulated. You were talking about – anyways, it's fine. Um, it'll come back to me. No, I think I'm with you 100 180%. So do you have – like what would you recommend to people starting out or struggling if there's someone like, – I mean I – even with the Michael Gerber part, you're right. Like because a lot of people, they do it at a desperation. They're not really entrepreneurs. It's a situation thing that they get into or they're frustrated. But if anyone's there and we've said any of this stuff and it's hit a nerve with them, what would you recommend for them? I'm going to go crib for one of my clients at this point because she's pretty smart. Uh, Laura Posey, simplesuccessplans.com, mm, mm-hmm. recently sent out a note, an email, and even though it was to her client base and you know I'm, I'm, I'm a marketing Infusionsoft consultant for her, I still felt like she was talking to me because she works with entrepreneurs to help them achieve their dreams. And she says, essentially, stop doing things that are new. Go follow somebody else's model. Mm. You know, why are you trying to do anything that's new? And of course, I've read that so many times before. Yeah. And... I've worked with Laura for a while <laughs> yep. and I've, I've been helping her build this out and I'm still, I read that and think, Oh no, she's talking to me. Like she, and I wonder, is this a, an individual email, right? Like, Oh man, <laughs> you start checking. She knows. Like, is there an unsubscribed below? She knows that it's me that I'm doing this, <laughs> even as I'm supposed to be a marketing and Infusionsoft consultant who knows stuff that I'm still, I'm not just copying someone else's model exactly. And I have my excuses as to why it's okay that I don't do that. Yeah. Of course, everyone does. Yeah. Mine, mine are good though. Yeah. Uh, but just that, uh, Consider if you're trying to do something truly new, consider why you're actually trying to do that. Uh, there's some truth to the idea that anything worth doing is already being done by somebody else and you need an actual different approach. You need a reason to believe uh, that your model is going to work, uh, that it's actually new and new things are actually very rare. Yes. Uh, we think about Facebook or about Elon Musk's stuff and we say, oh, that's new and amazing, but the new stuff is actually very rare. Yeah. One of my projects right now is Redbeard University, which I'm changing from just a search engine of Infusionsoft tricks and tips into a training site for people to learn Infusionsoft. That is not new whatsoever. Uh, one thing, so, so you got to ask the question, if you're doing, in this case, an Infusionsoft training site, why would anyone buy from you? And because your you is not a very good answer, it's a good, it's a good start. Like you have friends, that's nice, but friends don't make a business. In my case, it's that Whereas everyone else charges by the seat, you know, 60 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, or they charge by the program, uh, you know, $100 for this. Uh, What I'm doing is I'm focusing on team training. So it's going to be $100 a month, but it's for up to 10 seats at one company. 
mm-hmm. with one email domain. Because I'm saying, you know, Infusionsoft is a team sport, and I'm going to aim everything at that company where right now people are wasting time training other people on their team how to do basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit different focus than all the sites that are out there right now. And there's some really good training out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, you mentioned earlier, MMMastery.com does great stuff. He charges a monthly fee. It's fantastic. Uh, I love Greg Jenkins, monkeypodmarketing.com. Uh, he has his trilogy suite of campaign builder stuff, his e-commerce pod, his referral pod. Great stuff. And it's not quite the same focus. So I'm saying, well, I'm going to have a different focus. Mm-hmm. So that makes me attractive. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, I'm charging a price point, which over the course of, if you, if you have 10 people, there is actually insanely cheap. But then I'm going to be saying, I'm going to make my money not on the basic subscription, which 100 bucks for 10 people is not going to make you any money, right. but on being able to sell them things inside there where I say, you know, I'm going to show you how to use FuseDesk, which is this customer support thing for Infusionsoft. And that's part of my training on how to go uh, automate it when somebody fails a credit card payment. And of course, on that refers to FuseDesk. Here's how you use FuseDesk, and here's my affiliate link. So I have this map, which I believe is actually different than what else exists out there, and I could easily be wrong. And I, but I have this map that I think is different enough, even though it's highly similar to what Emma Mastery is doing, MonkeyPod Marketing is doing, the SalesWhisper.com is doing, Six Division, BoxOut Marketing, all these companies that I know are already succeeding. Mm-hmm. And I know that the customer base of Infusionsoft customers is growing, so there's a bigger and bigger audience. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what other folks are doing that is already working, but I'm going to do it a little bit different. And then whereas these other organizations have static training, like MM Mastery, as far as I know, I think there's nine or 12 major pieces of content, and they're all awesome, mm-hmm. and everyone should go watch them. As far as I know, you can't go say, hey, Micah, would you please do another one for me? Hmm. That's not part of his deal. He has many other offerings, but my deal is going to be you come to me, you bring your whole team, and then when you have questions I haven't already answered, I'll do custom training for you that will then go out to everybody. I have not heard of that from MonkeyPod or Mike or somebody else. They may do it. They may already exist. So I I have a few different ways, like little tiny tweaks on what already works. I'm not trying to make a car that has 50 wheels. I'm trying to make a car that has like five wheels, maybe three wheels, little changes. Uh, but other than that, I'm actually trying to stay humble and say, what are the people who are way smarter than me? How are they actually already making money? Hmm. And how have they already created reputations over the course of years? And I'm going to change that just a little bit and don't be too prideful and say, oh, I'm going to do something really new. The software that I put out or tried to put out uh, was substantially different than what existed for the most part in the world. And it failed. Uh, it was technologically very hard. A partnership didn't work out. It was hard. And then we failed and we lost years of energy. Uh, whereas now I'm trying to make my main focus is I'm going to do something that's a little bit different. Yep. Yeah. And even my main business right now, automationclinic.com is Jermaine Griggs' uh, training course uh, for Infusionsoft, advanced Infusionsoft stuff. And all my clients come from that community where I said, okay, I'm going to do – I'm not going to work with Infusionsoft users, of which there are over 13,000. I'm going to work with Automation Clinic members, of whom there are only a couple hundred. They congregate in this one Facebook group. I'm going to put – 90% of my marketing energy into just one spot. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do all the good Infusionsoft training stuff, the people or the, or the implementation stuff, but I'll do it, focus on this one community with an with a ear towards how Jermaine teaches people how to do stuff. And that way, I had a call this morning with a guy who was recommended to me because he wanted the Jermaine stuff and Jermaine is to do actual implementation. He doesn't really do that. No, you can't. So yeah, it's not worth it. I mean, this he, little tiny niche, yep. like this little tiny piece of this little tiny piece and so I'm still copying what other people are doing just with a little tweak. And that's what, when I read Laura's email, I thought, wow, she's talking to me. It's, why are you trying something new? Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at what are you going to focus on, if the answer is, well, I'm going to do something that's actually completely new to the world, 
you better look at yourself and yeah, say, are you careful. actually unique? Really? Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if it's actually unique, maybe it's already being done by somebody else and you just need to do more research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. Uh, there's a great quote, pioneers get the arrows, the settlers get the land. You know, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's where, if you know, to be successful, it's so difficult. Use that model and build off of it. And then to speak to what you said, uh, Charlie Munger in his book, Poor Charlie, um, or Poor Charlie's Almanac, sorry. He's got a great part in there, and I'm going to – I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he talks about how – um, nature, Mother Nature is a natural marketplace, an ecosystem where you'll have, you know, you'll have a bunch of birds eating bugs, but they'll each niche, find their own niche. And some mm-hmm. will eat the bugs in the water. Some will only eat the bugs on the land. Some will eat the bugs that are inside the tree and some will eat the bugs that are under the rock. But they're all birds eating bugs. You know what I mean? And it's that concept of niching down, like you say. So it's not so much that you're me too, like you're doing the same thing everyone else is doing, but you're... You're just like high school. You're like, all right, let's help these kid group of kids. You know, I'm not going to try and help all the high school students because they're not all going to listen to me. Last, you know, but I'm going to pick this group of people. I'm going to get to know them really, really well, and I'm going to make it so that way they're comfortable with me and feel understood by me, and that I know what their real problems are because their real problems are probably slightly different if I help, you know, the music kids versus if I help the jocks mm-hmm. or if I help whatever, right? Um, so that's a great, great way to talk about it. And I think that's important, too, for everyone listening to this. Another um, – I forget who said it. Maybe it was uh, T. Harvecker. But it was like, you know, most entrepreneurs are interested in laying down new track. You know, if you were to use an analogy of a railroad, he's like, where well, I just want to have a run of track and run my trains back and forth all across it all day, every day, mm-hmm. and get a better and better schedule going. But most entrepreneurs are constantly building out the track, right? Like, oh, we're gonna, mm-hmm. it's going to be amazing. It's going to be across Canada. Well, now we're going to include the U.S. And he's like, I just want this small piece, and I just want to, like, keep it busy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good analogy to put into that. Um, really, really good. So now I want to ask this, and I might be jumping ahead a little bit because I'm trying to feed you because of what we talked about before the call. And I want to know, like, what's some of the best advice you've ever gotten um, just in terms of, like, business and, and being fulfilled and, and finding, like, true success? Because money itself isn't a success. You know, being able to survive and being able to, you know, pay your bills stress-free, like, you know, that's that's a comfort thing. It's not like you won't die if you're, you know, squeezed here and there. But for, like, real, like, money can't necessarily buy happiness. And there's yes and no's around this. But, do you, yeah, what's some of the best advice you feel you've ever gotten? I can't think of if a particular person told me this. Maybe they did. Uh, but to probably to paraphrase a whole bunch of folks all in one, it would be try to figure out what's going to make you content and then go and do that and let go of everything else. Mm-hmm. I was recently reading The Power of Less by Leo Babauta, who blogs at zenhabits.net. And I read his blog all the time. And I read the book before, uh, but I was reading it again last week. And he does a great job of saying that to simplify is really only two steps Step one, identify the essential. Step two, get rid of everything else. Mm-hmm. And it is so easy to do so many different things in your life. And I was talk- talking about this this last week. I have uh, some ailing grandparents and I was thinking about life and I'm in my early 30s and what really do I want to do with this decade? Yep. And I was talking about it with my fiance and I was saying, well, you know, on the one hand, I'm into this mountain climbing thing and I could go climb a lot of mountains. Uh, and I could, I could spend a decade really happily doing that. And when I turned 40, I could say, man, I climbed a lot of mountains and I would be happy. Mm. Or 
I could really get involved with search and rescue. And there's some groups up here near Seattle that do the mountain search and rescue where they're saving people's lives by jumping out of helicopters in bad weather, total Rambo stuff, uh, <laughs> but only on only positive. Uh, and I, I've met some of those people and they're just my heroes and I love them and I want to be one of them. I, wa- I was in a room once with them. And I thought, oh, I want to be these people. I want this. And so I could really, I could focus on search and rescue, uh, their motto being that others may live. And that's really exciting. Or I could focus on something else. Like we were talking earlier about the whole shooting thing, uh, that going and getting more involved in firearms education in the U S and around the country that really floats my boat. I really enjoy it. Um, and shooting competitions and all this, that could be really satisfying. There's a group called the Appleseed Project in the U.S. uh, that teaches people how to shoot just on small ranges and really keeping the spirit alive of uh, 76 of uh, the revolt against Britain and then basic rifleman skills. So that's really satisfying. And then my fiancé added one more in that really traditional cooking really interests me, that and permaculture and growing your own food. I think, oh, yeah, I could do that for a decade. And I was thinking about these four things after having just read The Power of Less, right? So I'm thinking, oh, man, I can't go say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do all these four things. I'm going to be masterful at all four this decade. Oh, yeah, you can't do that. And so I was thinking, okay, well, what if I – not that I will only do one of the four and ignore the other three. But if I was to choose one as a theme for this decade, maybe give myself to the end of the year to think of what really is the theme is it mountain climbing? Is it search and rescue? Is it firearms education? Or is it traditional cooking? And then we talked all about these four themes and how would they impact my life and all this, but just thinking what really is the theme here and then making everything else fit into that hmm. uh, and, and finding a theme that satisfies me that other people can live with that isn't bad for other people, but it's really not about what my parents think or my friends. It's a theme that would make me happy and that my fiance would enjoy being around. Uh, and, but it's really what particular thing for this decade would make me happy. Yes. And for everybody, it's, some people don't ask themselves quite often enough, what would make you happy? And are you sure? And then keep on asking themselves after a while, are you happy? Is this really what makes you happy? Mm-hmm. Uh, in this last decade, in my twenties, a major theme for me was medieval reenactment. So it's sort of like mixed martial arts, except with armor and wooden swords, more or less. <laughs> and I did a lot of that all over the country, and it was awesome. Met a lot of great people. And as I'm looking at my 30s, I'm thinking, is that really still where happiness lies? And it would be easy to say, I've done this thing for nine years. I should keep doing it. I have some skill, and I have some, I'm sort of known. I should go do this thing more because I am vastly better at that than I am at firearms instruction or mountaineering or search and rescue or traditional cooking. I'm so much better. And to go, be, to go be better at the whole sword fighting thing is really attractive mm. because I like to be good. Whereas I started making bread a month or two ago uh, with, uh, with Wardy Harmon's recipes, ganofglins.com. Did she go to traditionalcookingschool.com is her other site? But she gives all this advice on how to go cook stuff. And so I'm really studying that. And, the, and it is not great yet. My bread is not great. The last loaf, it tasted good. But it didn't rise right, and it rose good, but then I left it out a bit longer, and then it collapsed in the morning, and then it was like, oh, man, this was so sad. So it's, I'm struggling is what's happening here. Whereas if I just went and did the thing I already knew how to do, I would be struggling way less. I would be, I would be reaching peaks of performance, yep. and people would be clapping. Oh, it would be great. Whereas instead, I'm, I have bread rising right now. It may well collapse. I may well bring collapsed 
good, admittedly, good sourdough bread, but collapsed sourdough bread to my family and say, I made this thing. I don't know how to make stuff rise yet. I'm working on it. So the, the, the question you asked was advice, right? And so my advice would be figure out what actually makes you happy by continually asking yourself that question and then be willing to stop and say, you know what? It's okay to say, okay, well, that made me happy last year, last decade. If you switch too often, now you're engaging in that entrepreneurial spasm of, oh, this week I'm serving this market. Uh, but just thinking about what's really going to make you happy. Mm. Uh, and it actually might be a good time to share the story I was sharing with you earlier, my grandpa, yeah? Sure, yeah, please, please. Uh, so by the time, let's see, when is this interview being published? I uh, don't know. Okay. So by the time you all hear this, uh, almost certainly my grandfather will be dead. He had a stroke about a month and a bit ago. And it was one of those brain bleed strokes that gets worse and worse over time. And he is happy. He is barely able to speak right now, but you can just see it in his eyes uh, when they're open. Uh, he is just content. And it's this amazing lesson to get a look at his contentedness and ask, how is it that this guy who can't use half his body at all, another half barely works, why is he happy? Uh, and I think it's partly due to his religion, uh, devout Christian but part of it is due to focus. Uh, my cousin, uh, his other grandchild, uh, was born brain damaged and was never able to get beyond being a, a baby in terms of development. And he, my, my grandfather, uh, when he retired, went and took care of my cousin full time. And when he could no longer take care of her, went into the nursing home where she was almost every day of his life for about 20 years and fed her and took care of her as best he could. And he was not ambitious in the sense that you or I might say, oh, yes, we're ambitious. We're going to build these great business empires. But Grandpa was very focused in what, mm -hmm. what mattered to him. And he is, his focus was razor sharp. He had an audience of one. Mm -hmm. And Rachel was whom he was going to go take care of. And he did. And his life goal was to outlive Rachel. And he did. Uh, Rachel died a couple of years ago. And mm -hmm. so my grandpa's there. And he's just at peace because he did what he wanted to do in life. And he's... Uh, He's going on. He's content with life because he focused on something he could actually do that actually would be rewarding. Hmm. And I look at that and think, my God, I wish that I have, I hope that I will have as much focus and ability to actually understand what makes me happy so that, because we're all going to be at some point on our deathbed in some fashion, right? right. And saying, yo, are, are you actually happy? Yep. But you don't have to wait till after retirement to go think, well, what am I going to do now? You can ask yourself, well, today, if you die tonight, will you be content Really? Uh, Brendan Bruchard does a lot of uh, good stuff. And one of the things he says is he has his three questions, right? It's, uh, I forget the first two, but the last one is, have I loved? I think that's the last question he asks. Mm. Do I matter? Or have I loved? But the, are you actually happy now? And if you aren't, what's, what's going on? What do you need to get to a place of grace, regardless of your religious beliefs, but a place of grace where you're actually saying, you know what? I'm okay. Life is good. I've done what I wanted to do. I'm on the path of doing what I wanted to do. And if I don't get to see it through to the end, I may not be happy with that, but I can still be content in the effort I put forward. Mm -hmm. And that is, just, that is just the huge thing. Figure out what you can work on that both at the end of your life, you'll say, that was awesome. But also in the middle, you can say, okay, this is good. And even when it fails, this software project I had that was ended up being a failure, it hurt quite a bit, but we were trying to go change how people send and receive emails around the world. And if we had won, it would have been great. It didn't work out. We learned some good stuff. Um, but I was working on the right project, even though it failed. Right. right. Uh, so that's my advice. Find something you can actually be happy about 
and then go do that. Well, can you talk about the servitude part? Because that was the part that I thought uh, that yeah, was something. Yeah. That, yeah. The, the serving an audience, I think that marketers, business people, that we get greedy often, not just for money, but for fame and for glory. And we're very uh, self-centered sometimes, which is great. We have to be to some extent. Uh, but a lot of us take it overboard uh, frequently or at least some of the time. Um, present company, including myself, not excluded. And so we got to focus. And I, I was on an interview a while ago where we were talking about business advice. And I said, what you, need, gotta, what you gotta do is don't be a jerk that actually focus on, are you serving the people you're emailing? And this was a podcast about Infusionsoft and emailing people. I said, if you actually would give the person someone value through this communication, awesome. You should do that. If you're not, and they don't want what you have to give them, you're being a jerk. Mm. And if you wouldn't do it in person, don't do it through an automated email. Yes. And ooh, so, ooh, so if yes, we focus so on their, if we focus on if our audiences doing well, we're going to be happier because, and they're going to be happier and the world actually gets better. As marketers, as entrepreneurs, we have these superpowers to go affect the world and change how people do things. And Seth Godin makes some great points about how you ought to use this power for good, mm. that it's not enough with the power of marketing now to say, oh, well, they paid me, so it's okay, or hey, well, it's legal, so it's okay. Seth Godin says, you need to make sure it's good that what you're doing is virtuous. Mm. And mm. we don't have a great deal of that discussion. Maybe you had an ethics class in college, maybe, probably not. But we have this incredible power to change people's behavior. And so we need to focus on, is the person I'm serving, is, is it actually good for them what I want to do? Yeah. And if it's actually good for them and they'll actually live better lives because of it and you can actually get paid doing it in whatever way you're getting paid and you're going to be happy with it on your deathbed, you have a pretty good thing going. Yeah. My grandpa had an audience of one. Uh, certainly, Rachel really wanted the help and all the family was happy to have it. And he's really happy afterwards. And all the staff of this nursing home for 20 years got to see this guy coming in almost every day to feed his granddaughter lunch. Mm -hmm. The impact when you're following, when you are really in there with your calling, the impact on the people around you, you may not know for a long time, if ever. When other people see you doing your thing, you go, oh, wow. Whoa. I was at this uh, Infusionsoft convention this last a few months ago, and I walked in a room and a guy said, he looked at me and said, you. And I thought, uh-oh. And he said, you saved me. And I thought, huh. And it turns out I wrote an article for him on Redbird University a while ago that helped him through this issue with his client, mm. uh, how to do something, right? And I thought, well, I, I never had this before where some guy just, right. like, oh, my goodness, I finally get to meet you. I'm like, whoa, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, not many folks read that blog. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. So if you figure out, if you just focus on your audience, it's like public speaking. They say, don't worry about what, how you look. Worry about is your audience actually getting something. Yes. And if you do that, you tend to, you tend to chill out. Because you're asking, is this person actually getting better? Is their life better because they're listening to me? And it's the same thing with choosing your audience for your thing. The question is not, how can I get rich? The question is, whom can I serve so much that some of that value can come back to me in a way that the value can come back to me? Mm -hmm. There's some things you can do that serve a lot of people that will not bring any, any monetary value back to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, there, and it can still be good things to do. But in terms of feeding your family, it's how can I deliver great value in a way that some of it will come back to me? Yeah. With Redbird University, it is I'm going to go help hundreds of companies around the world get their staffs trained such that the business owners or the Infusionsoft experts at the company stop spending hours a week teaching the other people at the company how to use Infusionsoft. Mm. And with those extra hours, they'll get to serve their clients better and I'll help hundreds of thousands or millions of people around the world live slightly better lives. Mm. And I have a reasonable expectation and a model for how that's going to also enrich me. Mm -hmm. But the focus is can I actually benefit 100,000 or a million people a little bit if I can – 
then I can probably expect to get some kind of remuneration from that. Yeah, I, you know, even if you don't have a single ethical bone in your body, it just, even if you're so selfish and so self-serving, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to do business any other way than just be as good of a person as you can be. Like mm-hmm. just straight up, even if secretly in your closet, you just have all these sinister goals. And you ambitions. hate people. Yeah. Like even <laughs> if, even if that's the case, it just doesn't make sense because if you burn people, your reputation will catch up with you. You won't be able to get clients. If you're not really serving your customers, they're not going to come back and buy from you again. And that's where the money really is. Most people, don't make enough off the first exchange they get with a customer to survive. Mm-hmm. Most businesses cannot, I will say 90% of businesses cannot live off the one-time purchases they get. And mm-hmm. almost every single business I've looked at, and I mean, I've looked at many, I would say close to 80% of the customers only make a single purchase when we get mm-hmm. in and drill down and look at the data. So it just doesn't make ethical, uh, sorry, it just doesn't make sense to not to do anything other than just really try to serve people. And I think that's where a lot of people go straight with their marketing. They're using, and I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not above this. I've done this myself. I probably commit the same offense, but trying to use different like marketing ninja tricks and stuff like that, as opposed to just what's the best way to serve this person mm-hmm. and get to the, you know, it's funny. Cause I was the other day I, I took my dog with me. Uh, actually yesterday we had dinner at my parents' place. My girlfriend was there. Dogs there, you know, uh, brother came. It was just a nice little, little family dinner. And I had wanted to go to run to Walmart to grab some ice cream for us to have for dessert. It's like a couple blocks over. And I took my dog with me. And I was nervous. And when I went to go, my mom and my girlfriend were like, don't because, you know, you're going to tie her up outside and someone's going to steal her and yada, 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 yada. And I ended up like tying her up in the woods right behind the Walmart, <laughs> right, which is fine. But I was thinking about it as I was in Walmart, like going to get the ice cream. Like, what would I do if she got lost? I'm like, am I – because, right, I was thinking about it. It was on my mind. I'm like, oh, well, I would make this ad. Like, you know, I, I was thinking about the posters that I would do and like the ad campaign I would do. I would like – I would blanket this area with these to find that dog. And then I realized – I should be doing that with my ideal clients. Like that whole, like that pain, like I, like I'm like my dog, like, do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm trying to convey, like, if you thought of something you cherished, your son or your child or something, they went missing and you wanted to have them back to know that they were safe. And so that way you knew you could take care of them and, you know, and, and, and protect them. I mean, it's my dog. It's not my child. Right. But at the same time, I care about it. And I realized that that is such a great way to come at it, like come at writing your ads and that, like who's out there. And, and that way you can just be really specific to grab them. And just that mentality and that intent, it's just the best way to do it. And that was something that, you know, it was like a, my own, a little lesson for myself for the day, but it just stuck out that just, I should try to write more of my marketing campaigns from that point of perspective of, you know, like I lost my dog and I want to find my dog back so much. Well, look, I've, I've helped this person, but I helped them and they moved on and I got them to come back and buy me for me a couple of times, but they hit the end of the line for where I'm at right now, you know, and I need mm-hmm. more new people. So let's take it like I've lost my customer, this person I really want to help. You know, you know what I mean? And come from that angle. Um, yeah, I think along with that, it's also important to uh, know whether you're answering a real problem. Yeah. If it's your dog that is lost, it's obviously a real problem. Other folks obviously have this real problem. Yeah. In my case, I started Redbird University. It's just a blog with answers to questions because people were asking me, how do I do this thing? And it got boring to go repeat myself, right? And so I right. put up articles saying, here's how I do this thing. Yeah. And then I could just send someone a link. Yeah. Uh, and, because, and then also my clients... Some of them had teams that needed to be trained. Yep. And so that, okay, well, I'll just write an article on how to do this particular thing. So I'm 
there's already a problem that I'm already solving, and yeah. I'm just going to go solve it better. Yeah. As opposed to thinking, well, maybe this problem over here exists in the world. Yeah. I'll try to fix it first and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I already know there's a problem. And then also other people are fixing a similar problem. Yeah. So both money is already being spent on people like what I'm doing. Yeah. And also I've personally experienced the pain of this problem. And I personally know for my clients I have right now, their lives will get better when this thing is live. Yep. Yep. So you got to figure out how to target it right. And that it's actually a universal problem and that people are willing to pay to go fix it. Yeah. Uh, some problems people are not willing to pay to fix. Yeah. Aaron Ross wrote a book called Predictable Revenue. And I got the chance to speak with him. He came up uh, to speak at a conference up in Ottawa. A couple of friends of mine were running and I got a chance to speak with him and have some time. And we were talking and um, just one of the things that really came out is for the most part, like he's got a new book from inevitable, uh, from impossible to inevitable. And so his book, Predictable Revenue, uh, was considered like the sales Bible of Silicon Valley. And he wants this to be the business building Bible, he says. Um, And, you know, we were talking and one of the things that's in his book and he says it a lot and he was repeating it, but the vast majority, uh, he was involved with Salesforce.com and some other big companies that grew hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and you know, and the same thing came up that the vast majority of businesses just, they don't have their niche nailed, right? They might be okay. They might be making the, solving the small problem, but they don't really, like you said, you have to know the problem that you're solving. They kind of like have something you're like a, you're like a want, not necessarily a need, you know, like you, you're kind of like a fringe thing and that, and you know, and I, I think even in some ways, perhaps even myself, I might fall into that because, um, you know, when you have something that's so compelling, it's not hard to go out and scale your business. You know, it's it's about meeting the people and, and when it's really, how big your audience is. Right. That I actually so my first audience for Redbeard Consulting for when I first started doing Infusionsoft Consulting were professional speakers, mostly in the US, though also around the world, because my mother was a professional speaker, so I had an in with that community. So far so good. What I found was that the amount of money those kinds of companies tended to want to pay for internet marketing was substantially different from how much I had to charge to actually make a good business run. So I chose the wrong audience for the kind of work that I wanted to do. And as I've occasionally worked with speakers beyond there, what I find is that in general, they're solopreneurs or maybe one staffer, mm-hmm. and they don't have enough Infusionsoft skill in-house to carry out ideas that I think up for them. So they actually have to have me do it or my team do it, which is expensive, which they don't want to pay for. So there's this loop. And I'm hoping Redbird University will help fix that loop because I'll help their staff get trained enough that they can actually go do good things. But there was no amount of effort I could put into that market Uh with the skill set that I had at the time and the product, the service that I had at the time that would work. So then I moved to this automation clinic group, which is interesting in different ways. So they're much more successful business people. They have their own teams in general, they're not all of them, but they're also very, very savvy, which is great because then when people hire me, they're already really smart marketers, which is wonderful. And they also mostly really know Infusionsoft already really well. So they hire me to go and do extra cool stuff to implement Jermaine's really good ideas to go help push them even further, uh, which is great, except that that's all very uh, high level thinking work. They mostly don't want to pay for lower level work because they already have their own teams or they can already do it themselves. So I wanted to go build a company where I had, uh, I used to have three folks or four folks working for me, all Infusionsoft certified consultants or three of them were, but my business model failed again because I was trying to go clone myself 
which you can do it at the low-level skill, but if you have some high-level skills, you can't necessarily clone those because other folks aren't you. So again, I failed to fit a right service offering to a market. And now I don't. I didn't. I didn't go bankrupt or anything. But I'm not as wealthy as I'd like to be, which none of us are. But I haven't had the right answer yet. So Redbird University is really. Oh, and then I had the software offering, which mm-hmm. failed due to technical issues. If that had worked, I had the right market. We had the right price. We had the right team. Just technical hurdles. So that failed. And now really, Redbird University is the fourth iteration of in four years, uh, of me trying to go address the market in a way the market says yes and hands me piles of cash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so I've actually mm-hmm. failed three times, and this is my fourth attempt, even though I never went bankrupt. And so it's, it's you, you can look at people and say, oh, that person's successful. And well, maybe, or maybe they're just failing somewhat discreetly yep. and changing their business model around and not talking about it. Yep. Because it's embarrassing to say, hey, you know, I, I did this and then I failed. Yep. It wasn't what I wanted. I'm not where I'm at, where I, where I want to be rather. Yep. And I have a plan for how to change it. And I'm hoping it's going to work, but this could fail too. I don't know. Yep. I'm hoping. I, I think I've addressed. I, I actually have a market. There actually is an audience. I need a reasonable amount of the audience. There's over 13,000 companies using Infusionsoft. If I have even 100 companies use my stuff, then that'll be a good start. And then I can market to those 100 companies who are already my customers you were talking earlier about uh, getting that second sale, that third sale. Yep. So for me, besides the subscription part of it, it's going to be selling campaigns, selling advanced coaching, selling masterminds to the group of people who have already said they like what I do. Right. And so I believe that model will work because I've seen other people do it, like Sixth Division, Box Out Marketing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Uh, Micah Mitchell uh, and uh, a Sales Whisperer. So I, I've seen other folks do that where once you become a customer of theirs, they then aggressively meet your needs. Mm. I'm not going to say they aggressively market you. They aggressively meet your needs. They ferret out what actually is between you and what you want in terms of revenue. And then they help you meet those needs. And naturally they get some, some of that value that they unlocked. Mm. So I'm actually in the fourth iteration of my company and I don't know if this will work either. I'm hoping, uh, but we don't really know in advance and Mm -hmm. just all you can do is try to not make the same mistake this time as you made last time. But I also want to say that we talked earlier about, um, about reputation, about value and serving people. I'm not as wealthy as I'd like, but I have a reputation that I've built up over the years. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's this fork in the road for an entrepreneur where you can either uh, try to get more money now, the cost to your reputation, or you can say, okay, what I'm doing right now, it didn't work. Instead of trying to sell folks on th- something that isn't actually right for them, I'm going to go and try to move on to the next thing while still serving them and being good in a moral sense and following that path of, okay, this didn't work out. Let's try something else while also being good to people and being open with them. I have a reputation among the consultant community, the automation clinic community and other communities where people, I have people's respect, even though I'm not wealthy. Mm-hmm. And so that lays this foundation where every university fingers crossed is actually the right solution for the right audience at the right price point at the right time. Mm-hmm. If it is, I have this uh, four ish years of working five years working in Infusionsoft to go draw on mm-hmm. where we'll be able to say, okay, well, you know, you've been hearing from me. I've been adding value to you for four years. Like in the, in the case of the certified consultant community, I've been posting things on the Facebook group and helping people out and serving them for four years without ever asking for anything. Mm-hmm. There's the book, mm-hmm. uh, Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty by Harvey McKay. Yep. Basic, same basic idea. And so because I've focused on, am I actually serving people? And then my second question is, and can I get paid? The first question's always been yes, and I've made sure it's yes. And when the second question turned to no, 
I like, oh, okay, well, crap. And then I do something else. But I make sure the answer to the first question is yes. Am I actually serving people? And then that's, that stayed yes. And I'm in a position where I'm not, I'm I'm okay. I'm happy when this thing launches, it's going to be good because I'll be able to go and actually serve people at a much broader, a much more scalable fashion. Uh, I'm building a system that when there's 10,000 people using it, that's going to be fine because each week I'll come out with new content and people using Infusionsoft will be able to sell more stuff, make their own lives better, hang out with their kids more, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I'll just be able to benefit this huge number of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of value in what you said. So first of all, like we talked about, most people aren't in the right niche and it's not like when you say you failed. I mean, there's a software company that you weren't able cash flow to be successful. But the other things you mentioned since then, you were able to like sustain yourself. I've known you and you know, you're not on a box, cardboard box in the street and you don't yeah. have, you don't have a job anywhere. So you were okay to get by, but it wasn't working. It wasn't dialed in the way you want it to be. It wasn't scaling the way you wanted to go. So mm-hmm. when you like, when it failed, I mean, obviously if it didn't meet your expectations, it wasn't giving you the life that you desire. So you keep dialing in to get that niche, which kind of comes back to the original thing where focus, like, are you really helping the right people? Are you doing something that you feel fulfilled by? Is it working for you? And I think that that's a really important question because even as a big company grows, like I know with, um, even I mean, we're talking about Infusionsoft, even Infusionsoft, they were already up and running. They were already doing well as a company. But Richard Tripp came on board, and one of the things they did, they made him um, C, was it chief product officer, CPO. And he did this thing, and now he calls it his POV method. But he went and looked at all their existing customers to figure out what the 80-20 was. And what, mm-hmm. what, who were the customers that were really benefiting and that were really, like, you know, the ones that were using it and were paying the bills. Because in most companies, like we said before, 80% are only making a one-time purchase. And when he went and dived down and interviewed a couple thousand, uh, like, a couple thousand on, uh, entrepreneurs himself, real business owners, about what they were doing and how they were using the tool to solve their problem, like what we talked about it with you as you're working with your customers and clients once they got that dialed in and they aligned everything else with that infusionsoft uh, infusionsoft's growth took started turned into a hockey stick and it just started going straight up Mm-hmm. And shortly after that, that's when Goldman Sachs came in and gave him 50 million in VC and in, in, uh, investment capital. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, he sold his shares and he's living well now. But so I think that that's really important for people listening to this call. There's a lot of us, even myself included, that we can be doing all these different deals and all these things and, and surviving. But I don't think you can stop. I don't think you ever stop. Nothing is static. And the world changes so much. I mean, newspapers, they lost track of who they were serving. They lost track of what the value they were delivering. So I think if there's a really good action item to take out of this, I think it's for everyone listening to this call to think about their customer base and to take a look at them and to try and do an 80-20 analysis in the sense of, like, who are my top users or the, the best users and what are they using? You know what I mean? And how do I dive in and how do I meet their needs better and how do I focus about them and how do I try to align myself more with what them and what they need and what they're doing and what their problem is? Because I think that that's um, probably the secret to a lot of it in the sense of just getting more, more focused, more focused, follow one course until successful, do less, better into completion. And, um, I just, I think that that's, there's a lot of power in that. Um, I think you can add on to that, uh, in terms of the entrepreneur also think about under what conditions would you quit being an entrepreneur? Would you Mm. go back to work for somebody else? And as I was thinking of it just now, I don't really think of this on a regular basis, but I thought under what conditions would I actually quit and go work for someone else? And the answer is if my fiance or my kids went hungry, Mm. sort of that I'm not going to stop 
And so if I'm not going to stop, I might as well create something awesome that actually benefits a lot of people. I I could either toil in obscurity or I could go do something that's going to benefit hundreds of thousands or millions of people worldwide. If you know you're not going to stop because you've not reached your line yet where you say, okay, I'm done. I quit. I'll go for somebody else. Why not just go make something awesome? And and why not? Like you have – what does it say on your email that you have this goal of helping how many folks get million dollar companies? Yeah, Was that- I want to help. I want to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. Right. And that's, so that's preposterous. No one does that. Uh, except that <laughs> you still set it as your goal, because if you're going to do it anyways, why, why help only one company get that big? Why yeah. not help 200? Yeah. And it's the people who are willing to say, wait a minute, I can do that. Yeah. One of my favorite quotations is Edward Bach who said, or who wrote, it is the young man of true conception who says, I am everything, and then goes to prove it. Mm. And substituting woman in, in there uh, when appropriate, I think that is one of the defining quotations of my life. Because why shouldn't you go climb Mount Rainier, which I did six weeks ago? Or why shouldn't you be able to go shoot a tiny target at two-fifths of a mile, which I did three <laughs> weeks ago? Or why shouldn't you pick up the guitar, which I did a month ago? Or why shouldn't you start playing the bagpipes, which I did a year ago? Like, why should you not just go do stuff? And because you're, you're here, you're not dead yet. And if you're still an entrepreneur, you haven't quit yet. Yep. If, you're, if, you're, if your wife and your kids aren't hungry, your husband and your kids aren't hungry, if that's your line, like it is for me, and okay, you're not there yet, they're not hungry, you're going to keep on doing this. So you might as well go and do something awesome. Uh, so often people who are employees, at some companies anyways, are not really in the right fit. You read the statistics about how many folks are unhappy with their jobs, and it's just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't have the freedom to go create in the way that will most benefit the world. But a lot of the folks on this call do. Mm -hmm. Or you're thinking about moving to that situation where now it's you who gets to decide how are you going to help make the world better so that your grandkids are actually better off as are mine, as are Terrell's, as are everyone's. You have this power. So go figure out what is actually big enough that you're going to go and you're going to do it and it's going to be amazing. Don't, yeah. don't help one company get to be multi-million. You're going to help 200 companies. 200 companies, that's a heck of a lot of employees of those companies. Yeah. And that's benefiting incredible numbers of people just for the staff, much less the customers of those 200 companies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is not a dress rehearsal. This is your life. This is like, it's it. We're live. We're broadcasting now. You're here listening to this. You're walking. Like, everyone listen to this. Take a deep breath. Like, this is it. Like this is your moment. You're, you don't know if you're going to have next year. You don't know if you're going to have 10 years from now. You don't know any of that. You're, you're here. You're right now. And there's a great video of Jim Carrey um, talking about how his dad taught him yeah. a lesson. Commencement he, speech. Yeah, where he's saying that, you know, my father taught me that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well chase after what you love. And I think that's a great thing. And that comes back to here. Like, what kind of people do you want to help? How do you want to serve the world? Even if you're not in a service business, if you're in a product business, you know, even if you're in that sort of scenario, like even your products will still serve. Like, who do you want to help? Who do you want to hear from and say, hey, thank you so much for helping me with X. I can't believe it. For me, it's entrepreneurs because I just want to have impact. I mean, it comes down to an early seated like childhood scar of there's a book called Primal Wound, which talks about being an orphan and Mm. how there's a primal scar that your whole life when you're in your mother's womb, that you have this relationship with this presence and it's a part of you. And then you go through this trauma, which is which 
which is uh, pregnancy or the birth, labor, and then after you're reunited with this presence, and then it's always there kind of floating around you, loving mm-hmm. you in that. But when you're adopted in the way that I was, you go through this traumatic experience and you never come back to that. And so the need to belong is strong for me. And that's where I feel like my best way to belong and to be valued and to be needed is to help in the biggest way possible, which comes down to like what you said. You know, I had my own business and I was helping a couple hundred people, but I was helping my friends with their businesses. And that's when I realized the impact, helping an entrepreneur, helping a company. Like you said, you help all the staff and then you help all their hundreds and thousands of customers. So you only have one life to live. And a lot of people, I mean, when I first set that goal, people probably will laugh to my face, but I get messages from people all the time who listen to this podcast. They haven't paid me. I got a guy from Scotland who's probably listening to this right now, Ian, if you hear this, Rahan wrote me a letter, even though he could have messaged me on Facebook. I looked him up and he was, he's my, he's my damn friend, but he hand wrote me a letter from Scotland just to tell me how much he appreciated it. Like how, how much value this podcast alone has added to his life and how much he appreciated it. And that's just like, that's, again, we're talking about like, who do you want to serve? Like, I want to help these people, you know? And, and like, like you said, then find a different way to help them. Find a way to be a bird eating bugs, but find your niche. You're going to eat them in the trees, inside the wood. You can eat the ones crawling on the outside. You can eat the ones under the rocks. Like find that niche and find out what that food is. And that's just, yeah, it's just a great, great, great message. Even a hundred years ago, it was really hard to help a lot of people where we have some names of some scientists or some business people or some doctors uh, or some statesmen, but it was really hard to help people. Gary Vaynerchuk does a great job of saying, hey, if you're 70, why are you sitting on a couch? Now, for the first time, you can bring something new to the world and help a lot of people. And it applies (laughs) to everyone of every age. Uh, As soon as you're old enough to think straight and until you're too old, you can't think straight anymore that you can change the world in some kind of way for some number of people, not maybe not a really big way. I'm not trying with every university to change everything. I'm trying to save a couple hours a week of a few people across hundreds of companies so they have a little bit more freedom in their lives to go design something awesome. And we just have this opportunity. And it's so, like, even when I was a kid, I had a Commodore 64. I remember when the internet showed up. It was amazing. Uh, but now it's so easy to think, well, this, is, this will always be here. This is always the way it's been. And my ability to create content now is so different than it was when I was a child. And it's so easy just to take this for granted, to say, oh, well, this is how it's always been. But it's really, this is new. And we have an opportunity to benefit everyone's grandchildren in a way that's never happened before and might never happen again. Nothing ever stays the same. We can't take all this for granted. We have a chance now and we ought to take it to go improve the world. Hmm. Yeah. So at well an individual said. level. So well said. I mean, even if you're not into technology, you're not like entertain people then people still need entertainment. It's not all like work and medicine and prevent death. Like people want to be entertained. People need to find new ways to stay, stay healthy, to eat healthy. Like there's a lot of different ways to get out there. And even though you might think, yeah, but so-and-so is doing that. Here's something that's really interesting. And I thought about this one day and, you know, take like martial arts. So first of all, um, there's only so many ways to twist up a humanoid bipedal, right? I mean, if there's someone with two legs, two arms, and a neck, and a torso, like, there's only so many ways to bend this object. So you have a finite amount of that. But there's so many different schools and so many different people teaching. Why aren't we all just learning from one great grandmaster? Well, because that one great grandmaster is in one location, and we're all scattered everywhere. And even though there's the Internet, not all of us are everywhere on the Internet either. We're all in these little bubbles. You may be living in a city, but you don't actually live in that city. 
city. You live in a bubble of that city, a tiny little bubble, which mm-hmm. is your little ant route that you make for various things. And if these people are not in your area of influence or do not reach into your bubble and pull you into theirs, then you're never going to be aware of the benefits that what they have to talk about or share or do for you can bring. And that's where the value can be just by even being like, like Brian said, very, very similar to a lot of other people, but just different a little bit, even just by being different in a new place, taking an existing product and taking it to a new country or a new market. I mean, there's just so many ways to make money. It's always heartbreaking when you hear about someone that's like doing something illegal to get past because there are so many ways to make money in a really good legal sense. Why would you do something that could just destroy your life forever? I just don't. Anyways, that's a totally another. It's also worth looking at who each person on the call, who they are themselves in terms of the demographics, psychographics, where you live, uh, how tall are you, what color is your skin, etc. Because it all means that you are able to sell to people in a different way than somebody else. There's a group in Seattle and across the U.S. called the Pink Pistols, and it's a gay gun rights group. And mm. I love them. They're great. I want to get in contact with them because I want to go help them in their mission to go and make gay bashing uh, in the history books or along the same place as lynching blacks. I want it to be this thing that never actually happens and that your kids look at you and say, what, really, when they first hear about it. And this yeah. group is doing it. They're working on it. They're arming more gay people, getting them training, teaching mindset, all this stuff, doing great work. But I a highly straight guy who looks like it don't have the ability to market to that community and say, oh, yes, gay person, you ought to pick up a handgun. That's preposterous. So I want to go get in contact with them and say, hey there, how can I serve you? How can I behind the scenes help you win? Because I know that I'm not the person who can actually sell to your audience, selling them on the idea of you ought to go do A, B, and C. So even with the people on the call who maybe you want to serve a community whom you can't directly serve, that doesn't mean you can't serve them. Maybe you just have to not ha- be in the limelight as much. Maybe you have to have some other role where your, your demographics don't get in the way as much. Or alternately, maybe you need someone to help you out who maybe someone else can't help your community as well. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe you're... You can be the ambassador. Yeah, an yeah. ambassador of some way. Or maybe bringing someone else to go help you in your cause. Uh, there's this group I heard about called uh, American Dream U that helps veterans in the U.S. transition into civilian life. And it was just an amazing, I talked to some of the guys, sounds really great. I might go and get involved with it with Redbird University and helping folks get trained in how to do Infusionsoft. But I'm talking to this guy on Skype. I met another guy involved with it in person. And these guys are huge. When you think about this command, like they're huge guys. And they were in the military a really long time. And they're incredibly buff. And I thought, wow, you know, it's going to be interesting being in front of these soldiers and airmen and all this and trying to talk to them about, well, you ought to do what I tell you because we're selling some kind of idea, right? You ought to take this mm-hmm. action. And then I thought, okay, well, I got to go connect with them. And so I thought about uh, my other grandfather who was a pilot and about his stories of uh, fighting in Europe and Japan and, and all his stories. And I came up with this way to go have an introduction that really showed them, okay, I understand something about where you're coming from because here's my yeah. grandfather's story. But I had to overcome this. I'm not a soldier. I never served and how can I get across to here? And even if you're, you might want to serve a market that it doesn't look like you in whatever fashion, that doesn't believe uh, that you are going to be a good spokesman for them or a good spokeswoman for them. So I think that it's, it's really, it's who do you want to serve? Who's the audience? My grandpa was Rachel. That's the audience. He's going to serve that audience. Now she can really say no. So it's easy for him in that respect. Uh, but who's your audience who actually want to serve, who will actually bring you joy 30 years from now, when you look back and you say, I serve these people and they are better off for it, 
-hmm. Who's that audience? And then even if it's an audience that doesn't seem like there's an immediate, how can I even reach them? Maybe there's somebody else who's trying to reach them with your message, but they don't have that. So that's where the partnerships are saying, hey, how can we go talk together about this and go share something and go add value in a way that was not there before? Yeah, yeah, very well said. Um, Brian, you've come on the show today. You've shared so much value. I really appreciate it. I know we've been beating this drum, but I think that's a really powerful message, just the focus. And, you know, not everyone – I know I said I want to help create 200 new multimillionaire businesses. Not everyone wants to have a million-dollar business. For me, it means that I want to help businesses serve a lot of people. I feel like to make a million dollars, unless you're selling jet airliners, you have to help a large group of people. Yep, it's a great shorthand. Right. So – I mean, it's just been very, very powerful. But is there anything I should have asked you I hadn't, haven't asked you? I actually do have a red beard. That's, that's one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Beyond that. You're quite the ginger. You are quite the ginger. I am and quite the ginger. And to see you in a the kilt uh, with bagpipe gear. And that was just so funny because we were talking about how like you're very obviously straight. The picture of like last time I saw you, last conference or well, last time I saw you when you were in your kilt, I'm like that dude looks like like a very straight ginger wearing yeah, that's wearing a traditional <laughs> Scottish kilt with a sporin. That's how I go to conferences. Uh, <laughs> I take branding pretty seriously. Branding right? matters. There's this idea yeah, that right. you can. <laughs> If you, if you serve them well enough, you can have this spot in the minds of your customers. And if you keep on adding value to them, you'll continue to have this spot in their mind and in their heart. And so I take that pretty seriously about continuing to add value um, at Icon or at Dominic Con over the UK and just say, I'm just going to keep on adding value in this general theme, even as I try this now fourth initiative to go find out the, really the right business model within this theme of helping small business owners grow their business and take better care of their families and their customers. Hmm. So, so well said. And if anyone here is listening to this, they really resonate with you. If they've got questions, if they want to get involved, if they want to follow you, if they want to know more, which your, your message and how you've got going on with your university or just even with your consulting as well, what are some of the best ways for them to get in touch with you? The absolute best way is email Brian at redbeardconsulting.com, B R I A N at redbeardconsulting, just what it sounds like. Uh, Redbeard University is live right now, but it's not the news that I'm talking about. Right now, it's still a search engine of Infusionsoft questions. Uh, but really, email me and say hi and uh, reach out and ask me a question about whatever. And uh, that's it. And then if I'm always at Icon. If you go to Icon, which is the Infusionsoft convention in Phoenix each year, look for the guy in the kilt. There's only one of them, and that guy is me. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for coming here today, for sharing with my listeners, for being willing to be transparent and candid and vulnerable as well. Um, and also just thank you for the years of friendship and assistance and just being there. Um, we've gone through ups and downs. We've we've had some back and forth. We've had multiple shared clients, good experiences, bad experiences, and I just feel like I'm a better person for all of it. So just really appreciate your time coming here today and, again, just sharing with the listeners because I know that there's someone that listens to this that's probably going to listen to it again and they're going to get a lot of value out of it and uh, it wouldn't happen if you weren't willing to to come and serve us so thank you my friend you are most welcome daryl you've reached the end of our interview now first let me thank you for listening i appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know and now i'd like to ask you a couple of questions first what three lessons did you just learn what three aha moments just jumped out at you second what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, 
what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.